Hi, it's Jesse, and this is a shout out to everyone who jumped on JoeFresh.com to get my limited edition matching family collection. It's been selling so fast. The baby romper, the kid set, and the dress are my obsessions for the summer. I am loving seeing them on your kids, and they're so affordable. The toddler dress is $16. That's why I bought 10 and smuggled them back into the U.S. illegally for my friend's kids. I shouldn't have said that on a recorded medium. Anyway, the Jesse Collection is out now in select stores and at JoeFresh.com. Get it before it's gone. Or before I'm gone. To jail. This week on Phone a Friend, the Grammys immortalize icons, legends, and Miley Cyrus's hair. Taylor Swift has a new album and a new feud. I watched Saltburn and You Shouldn't. And Barack Obama's former White House Deputy Chief of Staff, Alyssa Mastromonaco, tells me if Trump could get elected again and then shares classified stories about meeting the Queen and the Pope. We're waiting outside the anteroom to the Pope. I am potentially going to shit myself. I need help. Celine Dion and Barack Obama in one episode. Legends only. Let's do it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Girl, let's phone a friend with Jen. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Phone a Friend. I'm Jesse Crookshank, and this mid-season banger is brought to you by the people of Saskatchewan, who always get up into my voicemails and slide into my DMs, borderline harassing me to come to your damn province. Well, Saskatchewanians, you did it. Bullying always wins. I'm coming. For one night only, March 5th at the Broadway Theater. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.ca. The site, by the way, the site crashed. Okay, as soon as the tickets went up, Saskatchewanians were just like so excited to get someone, anyone in their city. But it's back up and running now, so get those tickets because we are weeks away, March 5th, right around the corner. From there, I'm flying straight out to Toronto to shoot my stand-up special on March 9th. Now, the special 
Some of you are asking. The special is a different version of what I've toured before. I've written some new stuff. I've added to it. I've changed it. It feels really like a best of my tour, okay? I'm like playing the hits in one hour, and I wanted to perform it somewhere before shooting the special. My team was like, okay, great. We'll book you in Vancouver. I said no. They said do it in L.A. I said no. I want to do it in Saskatoon in the middle of winter. And my team said no. They said, please don't do that. This is a terrible decision. And I insisted, and here we are. I had to explain to them that, like, the Saskatchewanians, Tonians, oh my God, Saskatchewanians are rabid. And they don't get much there in the flatlands, okay? Listen, I grew up in Vancouver. You think I don't remember watching the Backstreet Boys intimate and interactive feeling desperately left out? I would record those on my VHS tape in my parents' basement angrily thinking like, everybody goes to Toronto, nobody comes to Vancouver. And now I know, actually, nobody goes to Saskatoon. Until March 5th. I will be there. So phonies of Saskatchewan, phonies of Regina, phonies of Moose Jaw, get on down to Saskatoon. I'll be at the Broadway Theater at 8 o'clock. Doors open at 7 for my one-hour Much Music 2000s video dance party. Okay, I'm doing that, Saskatoon. I will have the same thing. My curated music videos from the 2000s will be playing at the Toronto shows on March 9th as well. So get dressed up. Come with your friends, your spouse. Get a drink. Dance to 2000s music videos and then laugh for an hour plus with me. It's like a night out that you deserve. So go get your tickets and I'm going to go get a heated vest because I am not ready. I live in Los Angeles, where I'm not sure if you've heard, um, it has been raining. Yeah, I know. And on Monday, Romy's school was closed due to rain. I'm just going to give the Canadians a chance to laugh hysterically. The Saskatchewanians are rolling over laughing. Peppa Pig style laughing, falling on their backs. And you should, because uh, it wasn't closed due to flooding or, you know, dangerous conditions or closed roads. The email said the school was closed, quote, due to rain. And let me tell you, when I got that notification on Monday morning, you better believe the old Vancouver raised lady in me came out. I was all, you call this record setting rain? Where I come from, we call this Tuesday. When I was your age, I would pop on my tiger jacket and walk to school in this shit every day. But yes, her school was closed because it was raining. Just fucking raising soft-ass toddlers out here, I'll tell you that much. I had to, like, shut that part of me down because my husband is born and raised in Los Angeles. He is equally soft. And so, uh, you know, it, it became a little tense when the Vancouver lady in me would come out. I will say, he's not wrong either. Like, California is not equipped for rain. If a raindrop hits the windshield of any given Tesla in LA, that vehicle will swerve into three lanes of traffic, okay? Just take out all the custom G-wagons on the LA freeways. We're not ready. No one knows how to deal. 
My house is a beautiful, historic, two-story Spanish home. I mean, when we found this house, we absolutely fell in love. It was built in 1932. And let me tell you, no one was thinking about climate change-related atmospheric storms in 1932. Okay, this house was built for sunshine. And when we bought it, it had awnings over the windows. Like, a lot of Spanish homes have these. And the first thing I did upon buying the house was take them off. Because I thought the house would be so much cuter without them. So I paid, I mean, I, 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 after paying millions of dollars for the home, I then paid tens of thousands of dollars to remove the awnings and repaint the house in what I called, it's she's all that makeover. It was like I took off the house's glasses and gave her some fresh lipstick and she was gorgeous. Truly, like my house was turning heads Everyone in the neighborhood was coming over being like, oh, she looks so good. She's so much prettier without those awnings. There was a real, like, she finally deserves a man reaction to the makeover in the neighborhood. Turns out, those awnings were not just decorative. They served a purpose. They stopped the rain from getting into the house. Without the awnings, There's no gutter, there's no flashing, nothing. Just raw-ass 1930s windows that let all the rain in. And let me tell you, I learned this on Monday night when record amounts of rain fell in Los Angeles, but mainly into my bedroom. I think 90% of the rainfall was actually onto my bed. We literally, like, took off our glasses, but the bitch cannot see without them. So rain is leaking all over Evan and I. I mean, dripping, splashing from all angles in our bed on our two Scandinavian sleep method style duvets. They're just soaked. I, I, I want to like describe it for you, but the only visual reference I can pull up right now is, is the cover. This is where I'm at in my life. The cover of the Berenstain Bears Too Much Vacation. If you can... Pull that hot contemporary ref up in your mind. They're sitting in a shack with rain pouring through the roof and buckets everywhere. That was us on Monday night. Just mama and papa bear using towels and garbage bags and kids' sand pails to attempt to stop the atmospheric storm from entering our really pretty Spanish home. I mean, she is gorgeous. At around midnight, there was still this one hole that we, like, could not plug. And we got so desperate, we used Play-Doh. Just two grown adults trying to stop water from leaking into our home with our two-year-old's Play-Doh. And footnote, I was pissed because this we didn't have any of the, like, generic cheap Play-Doh around. I had to use her, like, artisanal, non-toxic dough parlor Play-Doh. I, so I was furious. And it didn't work. Needless to say, I have since booked an appointment that will cost tens of thousands more dollars to put the awnings back on. Because turns out, she was not all that without them. Homeownership, 90s movie edition. Related and unrelated, Rachel Lee Cook's kids go to my kids' school. And whenever I see her at drop-off and pick-up, I stare. I am not cool. I just stare 
And sometimes I try to take a covert picture for Jason, my producer. Maybe we should cut that out. I could get kicked out of the school, but I got to be honest with you, phonies. Okay? This is an episode brought to you by the people of Saskatchewan. I'm bearing my soul here. Now, because of the rain, Evan and I had no choice but to stay at home. I mean, you know we'd usually hit the clubs on a Saturday night, but not this weekend. Nature said no. Instead, we watched a movie. Thank you so much. We actually watched something about two, I think two months after it was hot, but still we watched it. We stayed up till 11 p.m. watching my choice, Saltburn. Now, this movie has been, like, it really has had such a cultural moment over the past couple of months. Very hot on TikTok, so I'm sure you've heard of it. It's writer-director Emerald Fennell's second movie. She was Midge in the Barbie movie, BT-dubs, very pregnant Midge. We loved her in that. Also, she's an Academy Award-winning screenwriter. I loved her first movie, Promising Young Woman, with Carrie Mulligan. I loved that movie. And so when I heard about Saltburn, I thought, this is a movie that was made for me. I love the director, It's set in the mid-2000s. It stars two young hunks, Jacob Elordi and Barry Keoghan, and it features music by Flo Rida, nudity, and a sexual twist. Sign me up. I forced, excuse me, I asked Evan to watch this movie, and against all odds, I hated it. I'm just sorry. I don't know what happened. I should have loved this movie. And I did not enjoy it. So spoiler alert, if you're going to see Saltburn, tap that button you use to skip the ads, okay? Just tap it a few times for like a minute or two. If you're not going to see it or you've seen it already, sit back, relax, because I'm about to go off. I'm going to start by saying, I had never seen Euphoria, okay? So I didn't understand the hunk status of Jacob Elordi, but he's everywhere. He's hosting SNL. I didn't get it. I do now. I get it. That is a very attractive, tall, gorgeous young man. Get it. And Barry Keoghan, also hot, is great. It's like a masterful performance. He's, he's very good in the film. But there is so much shocking shit for the sake of being shocking that by the time you get to the grave fucking scene, yeah, the scene where one character penetrates a dirt grave with his penis, you're literally like, eh, scene one grave fucking scene, seen them all. It doesn't even resonate because you've already seen this person lick someone's period blood and drink someone's ejaculation. I'm sorry. I'm just reporting on what I saw. I told you to skip ahead. It's too much. It's too much, even for me. And it all like builds up to this ending. And after enduring all this disgusting shit, you're like, oh, the hope the payoff is good. It's not. It's like an ending I feel like I've seen before. It really, like, literally is like, and in the end, the guy was just crazy. And I felt crazy watching it. I was like, what am I doing to think I almost watched this over the holidays with my parents? Truly, sat down with my parents, was like, salt burn or anatomy of a fall? Thank God we went with the foreign film. And I think, like, a few things are at play here. Because I liked her first film so much, Promising Young Woman, to me, was, like, 
funny and irreverent and still had some weird, like, shocking shit, but it also felt so completely original and, like, it really came from a unique female perspective. So I loved it. And I think because of that, I had high expectations here, and this just did not live up to them. Also, because the film is a period piece set in 2007, take that in for a moment, elder millennials, your prime is someone else's period piece. Just imagine Jacob Elordi getting fitted for his eyebrow piercing, being like, did people really do this shit in 2007? Sure did. I asked my parents every day from the age of 14 to 18 for an eyebrow piercing, and thank God they said no. I digress. It was set in the summer of 2007, and I am a savant of 2007. So I'm getting real nitpicky here, okay? Because there's like a scene where they're doing karaoke to Flo Rida's Low, which you know I'm familiar with. Low did not come out until October of 2007. That shit wasn't even out yet. There's another scene where they're watching Superbad on a TV at their British country estate in the summer of 2007. Superbad didn't come out in theaters in the UK until fall of 2007. I know that because I was on set of Superbad in 2007. I kept like calling out these discrepancies as we were watching. I, I was so annoying to watch this movie with. And that said, Evan tolerated me, and somehow managed to enjoy the film Saltburn more than I did. Meanwhile, I have rage issues about the film Saltburn that I just needed to get out on this podcast. So thank you for listening. Ah. And if you're rejoining us now, enjoy the film Saltburn. Can't wait to hear what you think. And heck, watch it with your in-laws. Speaking of in-laws, the following evening, still stuck in the rain, literally rain pouring down upon our heads in our own home. We thought, let's watch something with less grave fucking, you know? <laughs> and so we watched the Netflix documentary about the night they recorded We Are the World. It's called The Greatest Night in Pop. It's like one of the top 10 films on Netflix. That wasn't why we watched it. We watched it because it features my father-in-law, Umberto Gatica. Or as my children, Rio Dre and Romy Gatica, call him Papa Berto. And yes, that is how you pronounce Evan and my children's last name, by the way, Gatica. Most people say Gattaca, and I rarely correct them because it's so fucking cool. Has there ever been a cooler way to mispronounce a last name than Rio Dre and Romy Gattaca? No. When you mispronounce my last name, it's Crookenshank. Okay, that's not sexy. Gattaca. That's cool, but it is Gatica. So uh, my father-in-law, Umberto Gatica, was the recording engineer and producer of We Are the World. And I don't mention him a lot because he's so successful. It feels like a weird brag when I do. But I'm just going to tell you because it's very, uh, it's cool. My father-in-law is a 16-time Grammy-winning recording engineer. He engineered Michael Jackson's Bad, uh, Thriller. He has Grammys for all of those. As a kid, Evan, there's literally a picture of Evan playing with Michael Jackson's pet monkey Bubbles and his snake. I swear to God. Um... Uh, he produced most of Whitney Houston. He produced I Will Always Love You. He also did all of Celine Dion, including My Heart Will Go On, which is like the number one thing I ask him about. I, I ask him a lot about Michael Jackson and Celine Dion because there's this rumor going around that Celine took two takes to perform My Heart Will Go On. No, not according to Papa Berto. He said she took 11 takes and he took the best of 11 takes to create 
the masterpiece that is My Heart Will Go On. This man has so many, like, gold records in his home that there are literally Celine Dion records in the bathrooms above the toilet, which feels sacrilege, but I guess when you you are that successful, where else are you going to put them? So there you go. He's just like, he's a huge deal in the music industry, but because he works behind the scenes, behind the board, he doesn't often get a lot of public recognition. So it was cool to watch him in this documentary, just just being like my hilarious father-in-law, but on Netflix. So um, congratulations. We love you, Papa Berto. And highly recommend the doc if you, like me, knew every word to We Are the World as a child. Okay, if you could still sing every word to We Are the World, you need to watch this. Also, if you remember the moment where Bruce Springsteen just pops in, like there's these smooth, beautiful harmonies going on, and suddenly it's just all, We are the world! We are the world! We are the the children! Never forget it. Never forget. Then he goes off at the end. Bruce Springsteen, who can still get it from me at 74 years old, also appears in the documentary. All right, speaking of Celine Dion and not getting recognition, skip through this if you're a Swifty. The Grammys are my one thing. The Grammy Awards happened on Sunday night. I know this because when I asked my mom to read Romy a book over FaceTime, which is the laziest thing I do as a parent, she replied, can't right now, watching the Grammys. I was like, wow, I didn't realize the Grammys were on, let alone that the Grammys were appointment television for my mother. But I turned it on immediately, and I gotta say, I was thoroughly entertained. I was like, these people know how to put on a show, truly. Like Dua Lipa, Travis Scott, Joni Mitchell, Billy Joel, Meryl Streep, Beyonce in a cowboy hat. There was literally something for everybody, including my mother, apparently. I appreciated, too, in watching that, like, no one artist swept everything. Like, Taylor got a few, Miley, Billy, SZA. It was exciting because you didn't know that, you know, like, Oppenheimer was going to win everything before the show even started. You feel me? Every category was like, uh, who's going to win? It was thrilling. SZA had the most nominations this year, and I thought, fun, I'm finally going to figure out who is SZA and why do people love her? I did not. I did not figure that out. But I did have several takeaways. So here are my three and a half takeaways in three and a half hours of the Grammys. Three and a half takeaways from three and a half hours of the Grammys. By the way, uh, I did a brief Bruce Springsteen impression, and I believe I've destroyed my vocal cords for eternity. Shows in March are canceled. Jesse has to undergo vocal cord surgery due to one Bruce Springsteen impression. Number one, this is Miley Cyrus's world, and we're just living in it. And honestly, I don't know how I didn't realize it until now. She has the chaotic energy we need more of, especially in the music industry. Like, we need to turn on the Grammys and think, oh shit, these are music stars. They're wild. They're untamed. Anything could happen. We don't get that feeling much anymore because there are now a lot of sort of like tepid media trained stars who are just like very aware of the cameras and, you know, clapping with flat hands and blank expressions like Olivia Rodrigo. 
show or like staring in tiny sunglasses like Billie Eilish. Like you're not going to get unhinged from a lot of these young new stars. You are from Miley Cyrus. Remember when she performed with Robin Thicke at the VMAs in 2013 and America barely survived it? She brought a bit of that energy. First of all, we must discuss her hair. I want to go back a few years. When Miley debuted her, like, Joan Jett mullet, I was horrified, okay? I am a hair person. Hair is my security blanket. That's why I've had the same hair for 20 years. Without my hair, I'm Ed Sheeran. And so I often project my own hair-related insecurities onto others. I saw that mullet and I thought, like, why would you ever put such ugly hair on such a pretty girl? And when she showed up to the Grammys on Sunday with a bouffant from a Texas housewife in 1985, or like a a bouffant from a Saskatchewanian housewife in 2024, I don't know, I finally got it. Miley Cyrus doesn't really care about being pretty. And isn't that refreshing? She's gorgeous, no matter what. But that's just not her priority. She's here to make bold choices and spark conversation and emulate these stars that she admires. And, like, this Dolly Parton meets Tina Turner hair actually kind of worked on her. By the end of the night, I was on Amazon looking up hot rollers. Next... The fact that she won her first Grammy, I don't know if you saw this, she won and then like saunters up to the stage, totally relaxed, no speech prepared, just starts gushing about Mariah Carey, who handed her the award. It was not just the appropriate reverence you should show when an icon hands you an award, more on that later. It was also just a reminder that this person has been famous for most of her life. She's so comfortable in her own skin. She is so unbothered by all of it. She knows how to be famous, and she's great at it. When she accepted her second Grammy of the night, she was even more nonchalant, more relaxed, and I guess Commando listened to her speech. I want to thank everyone that's standing on this stage right now. My mommy, my sister, my love, my main gaze, because look how good I look. Uh, Anyone else? All the people that we love. Thank you all so much. I don't think I forgot anyone, but I might have forgotten underwear. Bye. I mean, Miley Cyrus made a joke about not wearing underpants while accepting a Grammy and looking into the eyes of Oprah and Meryl Streep. And that's why she is a queen. <laughs> More of this chaos, please. And you can't just be a chaos queen when you have no real talent to back it up, right? She does. She had what I think was the best performance of the night. It was just her and five women in Saskatchewan's hair wearing vintage Bob Mackie, body by Pilates, singing live, doing crazy dance moves, berating the crowd for not singing along, like ad-libbing about her bad relationship, doing a Tina Turner homage at the end, and then knocking over the mic and walking off stage. It was incredible. After being a star for almost 20 years, I was reminded why she's a star. Thanks, Miley. Okay, if Miley is our chaos queen, Jay-Z is our chaos king. This is my number two takeaway. He won the Dr. Dre Global Impact Award, which I believe is an award they give out when they want Beyonce to show up. I'm just kidding. Her husband's done some impressive things too, like marry Beyonce. And in his speech, he called out the Grammys not just for their past treatment of Black artists, but for their past treatment of Beyonce. We want y'all to get it right, at least get it close to right. 
And obviously it's subjective. Y'all don't got to clap at everything. Obviously it's, sub- obviously it's subjective because, you know, it's music and it's opinion-based. But, you know, some things, you know, I don't want to embarrass this young lady, but she has more Grammys than everyone and never won album of the year. So even by your own metrics, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not right. But uh, they cut to Beyonce in her Calgary Stampede hat, and I couldn't tell if she was like, yes, honey, tell him, or if she was like, what are you doing? Stop talking. Because I I don't know. I don't know how I would feel if my husband did that and sort of like called out this institution on my behalf, probably as awkward as Blue Ivy did, standing on stage next to him while he was doing it. I just think like it is odd that Beyonce is one of the most powerful artists slash women, slash people in the world. And this is not the first time she's been in a situation at an awards show where men are sort of speaking up for her, like Kanye's I'ma Let You Finish, Jay-Z here. I don't necessarily think Beyonce needs anybody to speak on her behalf. And then at the same time, she does deserve an Album of the Year Grammy. Single Ladies was one of the best videos of all time. And sadly, as a woman and as a woman of color, you know, maybe... She does need these voices speaking up for her. I don't know. As we've established, I enjoyed the chaotic energy of this speech. Takeaway number three. I like Taylor Swift more at football games than award shows. I'm sorry I said it. Do not come for me, Swifties. I said it. It's not the dancing in the audience or the earnest excitement. I use that used to bother me. I actually appreciate that now. If I can just say this, sidebar. I think I am the Taylor Swift of moms. I have learned this only in like the last six months since my boys started playing sports. I am a sideline screamer, cheerer. I am on my feet. I have an annoying level of unbridled energy and enthusiasm for six-year-olds playing sports that I cannot hold back. I cannot help myself. I have tried. I can't do it. And I think Taylor Swift is the same way. I don't think she's dancing in the audience for attention. Like, she's, she, she has enough attention. I think she's dancing in the audience and, like, jumping up and down at football games because she has an insatiable zest for life, and I applaud her for it. I was almost kicked out of my kid's basketball game last weekend. I can't help it. Taylor Swift is within me. For me... It was two things at the Grammys that kind of like, oof, reminded me that the awards Taylor Swift is not my favorite. First, it was her announcement of her new album called The Tortured Poets Department. It's just hard to seem super shocked and excited that you won a Grammy and then launch into a fully scripted, rehearsed announcement along with pre-planned Instagram posts. Okay? I also just want to say the title is tough. The Tortured Poets Department. It's very middle school. I don't know. It's a little cringe. I do feel better about it now that I know that it's likely based on a group chat Joe Alwyn had with his actor friends called Tortured Man Club. (gasps) Sorry, that was me barfing a little bit here. Tortured Man Club. And now I do feel really optimistic about the album because it's going to be all about her breakup with Joe Alwyn. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know I've also laid down some Joe Alwyn diss tracks right here myself. So can't wait to trash them with you, Tay-Tay. And maybe just give us one love song. Like, can you find something that rhymes with Travis Welsey? Try it, please. We need that. And just for anyone who's paying attention, 
I am incapable of prepping my stand-up special, which is one night while recording a new season of my podcast. That's too much for me. Couldn't do it. Taylor Swift recorded a new album while on a world tour. (sighs) So things were going pretty well for her until she won Album of the Year and neglected to thank the woman who handed her the trophy, Celine Dion. Icon, legend, queen, who came out of her sick bed to hand out this trophy, and Taylor didn't even acknowledge her on stage. Now, they did show, I'm going to give this to Taylor, they showed her cheering when Celine walked out on stage in a coat, looked great, but was wearing a coat, and Taylor was clearly very happy to see her up there, cheering, clapping on her feet, as she does. I think upon watching the Celine diss moment over and over again in like a state of horror and confusion, I think what happened was unfortunate. Taylor won. She was excited. The zest for life is insatiable. She's hugging her collaborators. She grabs the trophy from Celine as she's looking away and just completely forgot who handed it to her. And then she makes a speech that never acknowledges Celine. She said something at one point like, and the greatest musician that we all owe our careers to. And I was like, yes, she's going to acknowledge Celine. And she says, Lana Del Rey. (laughs) That was the wrong, it was not what I was expecting, okay? It's just a rare slip from a usually very poised, very rehearsed, very unchaotic Taylor Swift. And then, of course, she posted a selfie with Celine backstage 10 minutes later and all was forgiven. But let me tell you who will not forgive or forget. My mother. Taylor Swift is dead to her. I was like, how was the Grammys? Oh, that, she didn't even say, thank her. She didn't even make eye contact, that Taylor Swift. Canadians of a certain age are raging. Okay, I told you I had three and a half takeaways. So finally, my half takeaway from the Grammys was half of the performers who sang Fast Car, Tracy Chapman. First, I need her skincare routine. She looked incredible. She sounded amazing. Tracy Chapman in 1995 single-handedly got me through the pangs of adolescence. And seeing her again up there with Luke Combs, who was actually kind of adorably in awe of her, that was like, that was the moment where I was like, all right, the Grammys, this is what the Grammys are all about. Thanks for reminding me, Mom. And Tracy Chapman's Fast Car is now number one on the iTunes charts. We love that for her. Cut to Oprah giving two enthusiastic thumbs up in the crowd. And those are my three and a half takeaways in three and a half hours of the Grammys, which was my one thing. Unrelated, I'd like to issue a phone-a-friend retraction. Last week, I recorded an episode in support of Justin Timberlake's comeback. That very night, he performed a show where he said something like, I'd like to apologize to absolutely fucking nobody before performing Crimea River. Why would you do that? Why would you do that, JT? Why? Why would you stoke the fires of rage More importantly, why do you have to make me look bad? I'm out here apologizing for your ass, okay? Saying, you know, trying to make all your wrongdoings go away, assuming you have tried to make things right on your own time. And I now know you have not. Selfish, still a banger. Hope you've been listening to it all week. After the break, Trump is creeping his way back into your news feeds. I know he is. He's leading in the primaries. He's beating Biden in the polls. I hate that I just said that out loud. And he could win the presidency again, despite multiple legal cases against him. How is this possible? 
That's what I ask Alyssa Mastromonaco, Barack Obama's former White House Deputy Chief of Staff, after the break. Plus, she tells me classified information about her time in the White House that has changed the way I think about America and politics forever. She's one of my favorite guests. Next. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're back, and here's a little peek behind the phone-a-friend curtain. When I reach out to potential guests or to their teams about being on the show, I always say in my little email, former guests include InSync's Chris Kirkpatrick and Barack Obama's White House Deputy Chief of Staff Alyssa Mastromonica. Because need I say more? I mean, I feel like that really lays out the spectrum of guests on this podcast. And if you don't fit somewhere in between, don't bother. You know? <clears throat> the bar is high. So this week, Donald Trump was denied his request for immunity, meaning he could still be prosecuted for plotting to overturn the results of the 2020 election, maybe even before he runs in the 2024 election. Shit is getting wild over here in America. Saskatchewanians, you stay out of it up there because shit's hitting the fan down here. And if any of you are like, wait, what, how, like, what's going on? I've given myself a four-year break from Trump news. What is happening? Could this man actually be president again? I'm going to help you out today and phone a friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. This is going to be your, like, American politics for dummies, okay? I am revisiting my call with Alyssa Mastromonaco because she was not just one of the most impressive guests I've ever had on this show. She was absolutely one of the funniest. Alyssa tells me never before heard stories about her time as White House Chief of Staff, like the time she had to poop at the Vatican, uh, what she stole from Buckingham Palace, and why her legacy involves tampons at the White House. Plus, the Trump impeachments, indictments, trials, mugshots. Alyssa explains it all in a way we can understand. Enjoy. 
Hello? Hello, Alyssa Mastromonaco. Um, I'm sorry, who is this? Is this spam? No, please don't hang up, please. (laughs) Hi, this is Jesse Cruikshank. I am calling you from a little podcast called Phone a Friend. Just a little podcast, just Just a little tiny podcast. podcast. Oh, please, says the host of a gigantic podcast that I have been listening to for so many years. Thank you for taking my call, Alyssa. Listen, I'm here to provide any guidance, a little deeper shallow as it may be. Mm, can I tell you this? You are absolutely my most impressive phone-a-friend, and I have had Hot Wiggles, Housewives, and Chris Kirkpatrick on this show. Uh, so. You had Demois on, too, didn't I you? I had Demois, too. <laughs> yes. Oh, stop. You do not follow Demois. I, I absolutely do. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I didn't think I could like or respect you more, but I do now. Sometimes when they go deep on the Kardashians or like if they have too many blind quote, you know, yeah. too many. Yeah, I'm I like, like, I don't yes. know, you no, guys. I don't have the brain power to figure out. Uh, yeah, but there's I do. too much else I do. going on. When the world is quite dark and I need a little respite, I definitely enjoy that, that uh, account. That's what this is all about, isn't it? Just giving the people Honestly. a little respite when the world is dark. You know what gave me a little respite when I was going through all of your accolades and I found this. When you were President Obama's White House Deputy Chief of Staff, you were on the New Republic magazine's list of, quote, Washington's most powerful, least, least famous, famous people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest thing to be. I it was, I felt fairly baller when that came out. I was like, oh, really? Yeah. Actually, I was so powerful but least, least known, that Ebony Magazine actually accidentally called me a rising star. Hey! And I was like, do they know that I'm a white lady? And of course, it was immediately corrected by them. But I will tell you, <laughs> President Obama got a good laugh out of that one. They thought that you were a young black woman working in the White House? They did. Literally, I was just a ghost that no one had ever seen. And nobody <laughs> had any idea. I'm obsessed. You know, I think it is better to have power than fame, right? Like, isn't that the ultimate? Because Chris Kirkpatrick can't make decisions on Air Force One. You know what I mean? No. I mean, it's like, look, power is great, especially if you use it in the right ways. Mm -hmm. But fame, yikes, just makes you a target. (laughs) Absolutely. Can I just side note? If you were currently working in the White House, would you insist that the president sign an executive order forcing NSYNC to go on tour? Isn't in sync exactly what we need right now? Thank you, Alyssa. I was behind a presidential statement to commemorate the death of Donna Summer when it happened. Did he actually make one? Yeah. And that was your doing? It was Valerie Jarrett and myself were both yeah. like, just wait a minute. She's an icon. And the yes. thing is, it was like a group. It was a group discussion we were having. But when she and I yes. went to uh, the president, he was like, obviously, Donna Summer. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. You're getting real inside baseball today. Already. So, but this is why I'm phoning you. And trust me, I'm going to insist that you give me way more inside baseball. But really, I like I've been listening to your podcast, Hysteria, for years. But admittedly, after Trump lost the election in 2020, I have sort of allowed myself to detox. Good for you. Good for you. American political news. Thank you. Good for you. Trump uh, news has been replaced with Demois in my algorithm. And I'm sort of been okay with that. But then in the past few months, there's been indictment after indictment. There's a mugshot. There's 
91 felony counts against him. He's in court literally as we speak. Yeah. I don't even really know why. And so I am phoning you, Alyssa, for help. This is my favorite. I'm going to ask you some very stupid questions. Of course. Because I'm coming at this. My excuse is like, I'm Canadian. I haven't been paying enough attention. Can you just promise me that there is no such thing as a stupid question? No such thing. Not possible. Not possible. Thank you so much. Um, Before we dive in, I just want to make sure that you are on the same page as me. Can you tell me one stupid thing you did whilst at the White House? Okay. So I'm going to tell you something that I'm not sure if I've ever talked (gasps) about it, but I don't know if it's as much stupid as it is embarrassing, but I'm just going to go for it. It's an exclusive. Go on. It's an exclusive. Mm. So... Uh, it was a Friday afternoon. Okay. We were going to a fundraiser, leaving the White House, get onto Marine One. And as we get off of Marine One in at this fundraiser in Virginia, one of the military aides comes up to me and they're like, ma'am, you split your skirt. <laughs> and I was like, what? They're like, you split your skirt. Your skirt is split clear up the back. <gasps> now- to say that I it was like my job to run the 18 acres of the White House, that that was part of my job description. Sure. To have the people who in theory reported to me be like, girl, your ass is literally showing. <laughs> so I'm like, what do I do? I have to get through this whole event. And it was it was like a pencil skirt. And so the military doctors who tended to the president had to find Stop. all of their pins, all the bobby no. pins they could find. And like Humpty Dumpty, they put me back together again. And that's why they are (laughs) world-renowned heroes in our midst. And so when I get into the, we, we, I, I get back into the car to get back to the helicopter and I'm like laying on my side because you know, if you sit properly down, you're going to split the pins. Like the pins are going to go right up your butt. No, you're standing the rest of the day. But then I were like getting onto Marine One and I'm with the president and I'm like sitting in a different seat than usual, which was more like a bench seat. So I could kind of like lean over. He's like, what on God's earth are you doing? What is actually wrong with you? I was like, here's the deal. I split my skirt, not because it was too tight, because it was poorly made. And I'm like, and I, if I sit up, I'm going to break all of the pins. And I'm not going to lie. That was a story that stayed between us. God bless him. Um, but it was without question the most embarrassed I had ever been. My butt was just old underwear, old Hanes her way underwear. Not ready. Just for popping through the seams. I love that so much. Do you know why? Like, I famously, thank you. You're welcome. No, just go ahead, stand up, wave, whatever you need to do. I famously split my pleather pants <gasps> during an interview with. American Idol runner-up Adam Lambert, which might not no. sound as consequential as doing no, it. No, that's with consequential. The Pleather is but real. It shrinks. Thank you. And it was too tight, if I'm being honest. I shoved myself into that to be respected by Adam Lambert. And there I was, literal vagin exposed to the world for the duration of the interview. So see, we've all been there. We're normalizing there. talking about wardrobe <sighs> malfunctions. We sure are. It's a public service. You have done a few other things that have really normalized a lot of, you, you know, bodily functions, oh, et cetera, yeah. during your time as Barack Obama's deputy chief of staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard about them. I'd like to get into details in a game I am calling Alyssa Explains It All. Okay. Alyssa Explains It All. 
I'm going to tell you three things that allegedly happened to you during your time in the White House. You explain it all as quickly as possible. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. You stole something from Buckingham Palace? I did indeed. <gasps> I had dressed incorrectly, didn't realize I was going to Buckingham Palace, was in oh. jeans and a tweed blazer, was so no. nervous sitting in the anteroom that I accidentally, trying to cover, be, look busy so no one would pay attention to me, yes. I, I stole uh, the Tatler, I, a copy of the Tatler. And you took that home with you. I did. And it was never returned to Buckingham. And did you meet the queen in jeans? No, I didn't meet the queen in jeans. I met her the evening before in a proper outfit. Thank God. Okay, when you met the queen, mm -hmm. just follow up. Meghan Markle famously did not learn to curtsy before meeting the queen. Did you learn? We had a low-key, like, uh, Alyssa, here's what you have to do. So I did a, a, a semi-curtsy bow. It wasn't great, but I think for, like, an American public servant, it was acceptable. Oh, love that. Okay, mm. next. Not only were you the youngest woman ever to hold your position in the White House, you had the first tampon dispenser installed in the West Wing. Can you believe we didn't have a tampon dispenser? No. It was crazy. It used <gasps> to be this real sort of communal thing where women would just leave tampons in the bathroom. And when I became deputy chief, I thought, you know, it's funny. It's a, it's a lifelong lesson. Always ask the question because I assumed there was some reason we couldn't have one. And security then anything, yeah. quarters, I don't know. Sure. And so when I asked the question, I was like, everyone's like, no, there's no reason we can't have a tampon dispenser. So we had one. My favorite part was announcing it in our morning staff meeting where I met, like, made some people very uncomfortable when I was like, groundbreaking for the tampon dispenser on the ground floor. And everyone was like, what? That's crazy. And I did hear, I did hear that after we left the administration, the tampon dispenser broke and was not repaired during a certain four-year period. That's gossip. I don't know if it's true, but I did, I did hear it from a few sources. The women of the Trump White House did not repair the tampon dispenser. Hmm. Okay. Finally, this is a sentence I truly feel honored to say. Okay. You had diarrhea whilst meeting the Pope? Sure did. Oh, my God. Sure did. I suffer from IBS. I do, too. Go on. It is something that has gotten, has gotten worse as I've gotten older. It's really sexy, though. I think people really like to hear about Again, it. Again, can we normalize it? Like, shouldn't we have Thank bracelets you. that let people, like, <laughs> medic alert bracelets that are like, listen, can you just, like, let me into your bathroom, please? I promise it'll be okay. Um, <gasps> yes, we were going to see the Pope that morning. One of the things you have to do. If you're a woman going to see the Pope, you have to put a mantilla, black veil on your head. And my roommate of a few years was putting the mantilla on my head. And she's like, AM, do not eat those eggs. She's like, you know how eggs can upset your stomach. But the thing is, oh when you God. travel with the president, sometimes you don't know when your next meal is going to be. Mm. You're like, I may not eat again until I get back to the hotel. And I was like, these are scrambled. They'll be okay. <laughs> they were scrambled with some amount of dairy or cream in them. Mm. And... We're waiting outside the anteroom to the Pope, and I had to go to the doctor. We have we travel with a doctor, and uh -huh. I was like, I'm I am potentially going to shit myself, and I need like I need help. And so it was a full <laughs> staff. Everybody was on board to help me. They found Imodium, like extra strength Imodium, and then they finally brought me water. And I was like, Where did the water come from? And like. I have always liked to think that I had holy water, which I swallowed my emodium with, which is why I didn't actually shit the Pope. <laughs> and that 
is how Alyssa explains it all. That's it. Alyssa explains it all. Oh, my God. You are one of us if we somehow got jobs at the White House and were allowed into the Vatican. Listen, we should normalize. I have always told people if you have any sort of like IBS, any sort of issue, it is only worse if you hide it. Because then the anxiety when you get that low-key grumble in the tumble and you're like, it's coming. The worst thing to do is, is get stressed about it because it makes it worse. Well, you're kind of also just making me realize that I now need to travel with a team who can provide me with gas X, gas X, Imodium, and holy water when necessary. You know? See, yeah. we're here to help. Oh, God. All of those stories, by the way, I should mention are in your first book, which is called Who Thought This Was a Good yes. Idea? Yes. On the cover of that book, mm-hmm. you are sitting on, is it Air Force One? Air Force is One. It, okay. With Barack Obama perched on the armrest of your chair. And that is not the first time I have seen him perched on the armrest of your chair. And I just need to know, like, is that just his thing? He's just sitting inches away from your lap. Is that the relationship you had? Like, I'm fascinated by it. He's a chair percher. He loves a chair perch. Yes. Also, because it means he's not settling in to sit with us. Like the chair perch is like, I'm coming in to say hi. We're going to talk a couple minutes and then I'm going to leave you you four to your devices. Oh my God. The chair perch is strategic on behalf of a busy person. It's noncommittal. Yes. I'm here. I'm present, but I'm not pulling up a chair and we're not going into this right now. We're not, (gasps) I'm not sitting here for the rest of the night. I love that. I might have to start perching. I'm a percher. Like when my husband wants to tell me about football, I'm just, I'm going to perch. I'm you should perch, perch because now. then you can like slowly stand up. Yeah. You can back up towards it. the kitchen yeah. and start multitasking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Okay. Now we have to sadly move on from President Obama to sure. President Trump. Like it's 2016 all over mm. again. Mm. So you said there are no stupid questions. Yes. So can I just start with the most basic of yes. questions? Which is... Alyssa, this man was impeached twice in office. Mm-hmm. A historic achievement, really, for him. And I thought, like, oh, we got him. No. But then he's acquitted of all charges. Nothing happens. And now he's just totally free to run for president again. So those impeachments were meaningless? So he was impeached by the House, but not convicted by the United States Senate. Right. Problematic. So therefore, he was impeached. It's a mark on his record. You know, it's kind of like you're in high school. You've got a demerit. It should reasonably be more severe than that. But that's what it kind of feels like now. And actually, Jesse, I can tell you something that's even a smidgy more disturbing. Go on. If convicted in these multiple cases in over 90 charges. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing in our constitution that says he can't actually still go on and be president and ultimately pardon himself from several of the federal charges. This is so upsetting and crazy because, yes, he has 91 charges against him, four indictments. And Mm -hmm. just clarify, please, for my phonies, what is an indictment? Uh. It means they found enough that a grand jury or someone found enough evidence that they're like, yeah, this can go to trial. Okay. Which is serious when you're a former former president. If I were indicted for something, please, anyone who gets, you'd be fucking shitting your, literally without even having IBS, you'd be shitting your pants. 
at the Vatican, everywhere, palace, at the all at the grocery the store, at the gas Please. station. You'd be unwell if you had and been. You don't indicted. even need to have IBS to be shitting yourself. No, nope, you get indicted. No, nope, okay. nope. the average gotcha. Joe should be shitting themselves if they're indicted for things, especially things like this. And and the things are, by the way, there's like storing classified documents or deleting or, you know, trying to delete camera footage at his Mar-a-Lago estate. There's yep. charges around the hush money he paid to Stormy Daniels. There's a feminist hero. January 6th espionage, the, yeah. you know, violations mm-hmm. of the Espionage Act. I mean, these are not small things. Which is the most serious of the charges? Like, are there any which could I think the espionage. Well, here's the thing. The Espionage Act, I think, is probably the most, like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I mean, like, like <laughs> yes. the Espionage Act. But it is also, it's a federal, it is a federal indictment. And so he could, in theory, pardon himself if he became president. But I think, I think a president violating any tenant of the Espionage Act is catastrophic. Catastrophic. Yeah. But, but. But yeah, I can't even form sentences. It, it it fills me with rage and diarrhea. Like, I can't volunteer to read a book in my own child's kindergarten class if I have any kind of a criminal record. Right. But this man can just run for president. There are so many things that enrage me about uh, about everything that he is, he's been indicted for. But the classified documents case yeah. is actually one that's just so outrageous because oh. when I, so back in 20, 2009, it's inauguration day. After working so hard for Barack Obama since he was a United States Senator, do you know who didn't go to inauguration? Me. You know why? <gasps> because I admitted on my, it's called the SF-86. It is the security document. It is uh-huh. a very many pages. And I was like, yeah, I smoke weed. You know, the worst thing you can do on these on these documents is lie. Because fundamentally, sure. lying means you are untrustworthy and potentially that there's something you could be blackmailed over, which makes you not fit for service. Fair. I admitted so it all. Said, yes. I, I said I smoked weed. I went to the okay. University of Vermont. I went to the University of Please. Wisconsin. Okay, guess what? And- for years, my IBS didn't affect me, unbeknownst to me, because I was smoking weed and it calmed hey. it calmed my belly down. Wow. So, but when you get into the government, one, I had to get drug tested on and off for random drug tested for two years. Okay. Because I admitted that I harmlessly smoked weed. Okay. Yes. Get into the, get you sworn in. And part of what you have to do is get a briefing on how to handle classified information from the most senior person to the most junior person. One of the first things that you are indoctrinated with is how to treat classified information. Uh And every morning when I became deputy chief of staff, I got a look book, I got a read book rather that was thick. It was like a, it was like a novella uh-huh. and it was about all the bad things happening around the world. And you know what happened after you flipped through it and you read it, you put what? it in a burn bag and it got burned because it was classified and you did physically burned, physically burned. If I left, for example, if I got the book and then had to run to a meeting, if a security officer found it on my desk open and unattended, you got a violation. Okay, so there is nobody who works in the White House that doesn't understand how it works. Fast forward however many years, he had a bathroom full of boxes and boxes of classified information. 
That's wild. Yeah. So yeah, to no, me, that one really is like puts it into no. perspective. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So finally, with the fourth indictment, mm. we got a mugshot, which is the first ever mugshot taken of an American president. Yes. Talk to me about his strategy going into that historic photograph. So I think that his strategy was, I am not going to let the media weaponize this against Mm me. I'm going to put my face on mugs. I'm going to put it on t-shirts. I'm going to make some motherfucking money off of this mugshot, which is what he did. Before he even took it, you think that was the strategy? I do. I do. Because in less than 24 hours, he was selling merch. Yeah. Um, did you get the coffee mug or the water bottle or Definitely the not tea? because I don't need night terrors. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so good at weaponizing all of this. Yeah. I think that, like, those, those literal mugs are the scariest part, is that he's taking all of these really these crimes that he's being accused of and turning them into fodder for his base to get excited, even more excited around him. He now claims that with every indictment, every trial, every mugshot, it makes his popularity grow in the polls. Which is is bearing out. I mean, it is kind of bearing out since all of this, you know, since probably I'd say July, uh, his popularity has gone up. He plays... It's it's an incredible thing when you think about it. He is uh-huh. both the richest man, self-made, all the stuff he tells his followers. However, he is literally the crooked person he warns them against. Mm. And he is making money off of these people buying his mug, which, by the way, worth noting, all the money he's raising, a huge percentage of it is being used to pay his legal bills. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uncool. Uncool. And now, okay, so I I guess I'm just like still trying to find out if there is any way that the legal system can stop this man from being president again. Because now there are cases, like some of these cases, there are trials that are set for May of 2024. The election would be in November 2024. Yes. Can he run for office if he is on trial? Yes. In some weird way, the circumstances kind of low-key align in his favor. Mm. He's so far ahead of Ron DeSantis in the polls and everybody Mm -hmm. else, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley. I mean, I think that the last thing I heard is if you combined the poll numbers of the everybody beneath him, he's still winning. Oh my God. So go back to a normal presidential election. Normally during a primary, candidates are out there hustling. Yeah. He doesn't have to do that. He's got the support. He's going to win so many of these primaries. He doesn't have to do that, number one. Number two, mm. then he's running against a sitting president. In general, sitting presidents campaign less yeah. than and a, a non-incumbent, a challenger. Right. So it's a little easier for him. If he's found guilty mm-hmm. and he gets prison time, he could still run slash become president and then pardon himself? It seems possible. This is wild. Like, it seems like there's nothing in the letter of the law Mm. that says if he had been convicted of impeachment, he couldn't. Got it. Got it. But that is the, that appears to be the one uh, real barrier to entry. And that, as we know, that ship has sailed. So this man could be found guilty, could be sentenced to up to 20 years in prison and still 
become the president of the United States of America. Yeah, it's it's like if you hear if you listen to some legal legal brains down here, they're like, I guess he could serve from prison. <laughs> no, like it doesn't. It's so the thing is, it's so fantastical that like people can't actually wrap their minds around it. Because you're like, how this can't, America needs to have thought this through. Please. But like, when you think back, I mean, Richard Nixon, like, bugged the DNC and did some shady shit. And he was yeah. like, I'm out. Like, yeah. I get it. I'm going. Don't impeach. You know, like. Please, yes. But no, Trump is, uh, he is damning the torpedoes straight into uh, Election Day. Alyssa, I honestly called you with the hope that you would tell me, like, yes, this is probably going to happen and then we don't have to worry about him and ever again. But you've really let me down. Well, you know what, though? Here's the thing. Please. What I have done is make everybody who listens feel super proud that they live in Canada. <laughs> Do you know what I have? Wait. Somewhere, somewhere on this, there it is. Exactly. Can I tell you what I did? What? I moved to America. Um, I was pregnant with twins who I was going to be raising in America. And so I applied for my American citizenship in hopes that I could get it on time to vote for Hillary. I, I just I wanted to vote for the first yeah. female president and make that part of my legacy. And then I was uh, ended up being sworn in under Trump. So none of it worked out for me. And now I'm just raising children in this country. And here we are. I'm you know so I mean? sorry. Thank you. I still have Canadian citizenship, ops, as do all my children. So all is not lost. Okay, so can we talk about what's happening now? Because currently, as we speak, Trump is on trial in New York City in a $250 million fraud case. What is this one about? So the accusation is that he has overinflated his net worth by 2.2 billion with a B crazy. dollars. Right. And so like to give an example, because to be honest, I was like, mm, how the fuck does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> Here is how it happens. Yes. Say his apartment in New York in Trump Tower is technically valued at like $10 million. Sure. He has said, actually, Mm, I think if I sold it because it's my apartment, I could sell it for $100 million. And he has done that with all of his properties. Right. Now, in theory, like, I don't know, maybe could you buy that? I don't know. Like, would I pay more for JLo's house because she lived in it? Maybe. I don't know. I absolutely would. But right? Trump's, I feel it gets you, you, perhaps the opposite he's, effect. But he's inflated square footage. Mm -hmm. He's inflated uh, a yeah. lot of things. Now, technically, he didn't have to appear in court for this trial at all, but he wanted to. Why? Now, from a campaigning perspective, I actually think it's borderline genius. Like, okay. he's getting earned media. Right. Everyone's following him in and out of the courtroom. He could, he's been doing impromptu press conferences, which are getting sure tons of has. coverage. Yeah. But the best part, Jesse, the best part was when he got all fucking bent and was like, I want to know why I don't have a jury. This is cra This is rigged. And it's like, dude, it's because your lawyers didn't check the box for a jury. Literally, he complains about not getting a jury. And it comes out that his lawyers forgot to check the box. Yeah. You can't write that. No. 
he also did he not he called the judge a trump hating judge which and said he should have, be disbarred said he should be disbarred oh perfect perfect which i mean i'm not a, a a lawyer either but i would feel like when your fate is in the hands of the judge you should probably try to get the judge on your side or at least not scream that they should be disbarred like right. what is he thinking <sighs> But one of the funniest things is that you can tell how weirdly, from a television perspective, serious that Trump is taking this. Yeah. Because I need everyone to pay attention. He's 100% been getting blowouts. Like, the comb (laughs) over wave is definitely, like, the use of a round brush is being engaged. Like, it is the craziest thing. I'm like, like he... He's the master of television. And even if he is not smart or uh, not a criminal or whatever, he's still, he look, he's, he's paying attention to detail. He paid attention to that Gwyneth Paltrow trial. And he was like, well, she pulled it off with a $1,200 goop sweater. I'm going to see. He's like, that's it. I'm coming in uh, toned, appropriately made up and blown Mm -hmm. out. Absolutely. I'm sorry. The use of a round brush was engaged is one of my favorite things that's ever been said on this podcast. Thank Thank you you, so much. Thank you. Oh my God. You're so welcome. Um, Just before the $250 million fraud case goes to trial, Melania, remember her, Uh, quietly renegotiates her prenup for a third time. Is this just like an okay, asshole, I'll stick with you through this legal drama and another election cycle, but you damn well better pay me on the other side? I mean, Jesse, what else could it be? It's like, I don't care what he did, but I'm going to make sure that Baron and I get all the money. Um, I love that so much. Okay, before I let you go, yes. I realize now, having talked to you, that I will probably never be allowed to set foot in the White House. You've walked the halls on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So I would like to ask you all of the small, petty, inconsequential details I've wondered about this historic American landmark in a rapid-fire game I am calling White House Secrets and Services. Okay. White House Secrets and Services. Okay, ready for this? Mm-hmm. Cue dramatic music. <gasps> what surprised you most when you first stepped inside the White House? How old it is. Oh, how is the lighting for selfies? Actually pretty good because it's ambient, not too much overhead. Oh, like that. Though I did not let people take selfies. No Instagram or anything like that was allowed uh, in the West Wing when I was deputy chief. That was your rule? I felt it was in- inappropriate. I love that, Alyssa. Mm-hmm. Um, is the toilet paper one ply or three ply? One ply. Oh, I'm so sorry for you and your irritable bowels. Mm-hmm. Is there anything from IKEA in the White House? No. Nothing. No. Not even the bendy. No. Okay. No. What does the Oval Office smell like? Apples. Oh. The president always had a bowl of a big bowl of apples on his desk. Like if you were sitting down for a meeting, it was like totally acceptable to start chomping on an apple. Like in most cases, not in all cases, but in most cases. Oh, that's so nice. So on the days where you would found that you hadn't eaten all day, could yeah, you, pick would up you an grab apple. an apple? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, what does Barack Obama smell like? Apples? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never, you know what? I th- the uh, I think the accurate and appropriate answer is I never got too close to be able to tell. Okay, I like that. Mm-hmm. Also, he wasn't like it wasn't like an overpowering. No, smell he wasn't he like remembered. rolling around in Paco like- Rabanne in the morning. No. Thank you. Good to know. Okay, Michelle said she used to hear noises in the hallways at night. Is the White House haunted, or was that just you working late? Probably just us working late. 
Got it. Um, how often did you hear people talking about aliens? Honestly, never. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever watch any White House dramas on the TVs in the White House? Of Scandal, course. Beep, West All Wing. of them. Really? All of them. Yes, every <gasps> single one. Oh, I love that. Um, finally, this past summer, a small bag of cocaine was found in the White House while the president was out of town. Who is most likely to have left their coke at work? Wait, what? You don't know this? No. No, there was a bag of cocaine. Yes, you do. Wait, in the Trump administration? No, in the Biden administration. Oh, shit. God, no, I did not. True story. Did not know that story. I'm just going to go on record and say I broke You White broke House news. Political news. There was a news. bag of cocaine. There was a small bag of cocaine found at the White House in July when Biden was away from the, 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 the investigations. Nobody knows whose it is. Oh, my goodness. I would never. Imagine. Who oh, no, because you were getting drug tested two, of three times a month. Of course I was. But honestly, the stories of my drug testing are such lore. I'm surprised anyone could go ahead and bring, like, a fucking, like, schedule whatever uh, drug into the White House. It's wild. Yikes. I can't believe I missed that one. Listen, I can't believe I broke a White House secret to you. You That is how you play White House Secrets and Services. White House Secrets and Services. Alyssa... I don't even know what to, I, I like admire and respect you so much as a person, Thank as you. a woman, as a sufferer of irritable bowel syndrome. Thank you for being my phone a friend. Can we talk about the election? Can, when, can I come back closer to the yes. election? Yes. Oh my God, please do. Oh, that's good. Like That'd so be so far fun. Away. That's so far away. Well, I can come back before. Come back during the debates. I'll, debates. I'll, we'll, we can okay. break down debates. We can break down debates. It'll be <gasps> so fun. Did Alyssa Master Monica just become my official? White House correspondent? I did. I did. And I foisted myself on you. And you have no choice now but to accept me. No. Congratulations to you. This is such a big announcement for you in your career. Thank you so much. Of all the accomplishments, this is probably the biggest. And I'm just so, wow, 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 wow. Together, we're unstoppable. We're unstoppable. Her best-selling books are called So Here's the Thing and Who Thought This Was a Good Idea, which I uh, bought uh, last week. (gasps) Alyssa, I can't believe I hadn't read it yet. It is so good. I'm tearing through. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. (gasps) Grab yours. They're available wherever books are sold. Her podcast is called Hysteria. It comes out on Thursdays. Follow her at Mastro175 for so many good things, like jam making. I love jam making. Oh, it's a beautiful vibes on that page. Thank you. And now we just have to say goodbye, but it's not goodbye. It's like... It's see you in a few months. See you in a few months. See you in a few months. Yeah, see you in a few months for sure. Thank you. Alyssa Master Monaco, our official, official political correspondent here on Phone a Friend. What? Can you even believe you better know she will be back this fall to explain whatever is happening in the election. And I'm still, I'm in awe. I, 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 sh- I like, come on. She was involved in the killing of Osama bin Laden. And she willingly gave me her phone number. That's a life achievement for me. Thank you again, Alyssa. And thanks to you, phonies. You know what? Let's roll We Are the World under this outro, okay? Just bring it back. 
Saskatchewanians, I will see you on March 5th. Torontonians, I'll see you March 9th. Tickets are linked in the description of this episode. And if you do feel like dropping us a little rating, a little review, it really helps this show as we move into season two. I read them all and I'm so grateful to all of you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. You are my sunshine in the storm. My Play-Doh in the storm. Just sticking with me through these mid-season bangers. And I can't wait to do it all again next week. We'll obviously be talking about the Super Bowl because you know this is a sports-centric podcast. So come ready to talk sports. Also, Usher and Travis, but mostly hard sports next Thursday. Until then, have a great week. Bye. Take us out, Bruce. was created by our mom, Jessie Crookson. The executive producers are Jessie Crookson and Jason Yanba. The technical producer is Rob Perra. The amazing theme song and sexy interludes are by Jay Melanowski from Badwin Sound Clash. Phone a Friend is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Credits are by us, Ray Gatika and Real Gatika. We're her kids. That's crazy, right? Wow, you're still listening? Okay, see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.